When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth. I'm Sam Abual Samad. Am I supposed to introduce it myself? Yes, Hi. That's, that's your you know what? Yes. It's, it's your second time around. We figured you'd know the drill. Time. Now oh, it's your wait. turn. Sorry. Hi. I'm, I'm the other idiot. No, I'm Casey Liss, and I am uh, here to ruin the show as I did a few episodes ago. Uh, not true. You, you elevated the level of discourse. <laughs> Something like that. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Sorry Welcome. for already ruining everything. That's all right, Casey. Glad to have you back. Well, it is so, good to um, be here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're glad to have you. And this week, uh, we'll talk about what we're driving first. And, uh, you know, we didn't draw straws or anything. Who wants to go first? Let's let the guest go first. All oh, right. Fancy. And then, and, then, and, then, and then I'll chime in uh, with my thoughts having driven the same car. <laughs> All right. So, Casey, what do you have to confess? So, I have nothing to confess about my wife's Volvo in the census being maybe a little slower than I had initially thought it was. <laughs> nothing to confess about that at all. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll return to that topic <laughs> a little not, later on. <laughs> please, no. Please, Dad, no. Uh, but no, I, I had a couple of weeks back an Alfa Romeo Stelvio. I did not have the Quadrifoglio because it wasn't officially announced here in the states yet uh but i had the stelvio well, it's been announced it just isn't in, it isn't on sale yet it right. wasn't running <laughs> yes that's <laughs> absolutely right that's right so i had the uh, the pedestrian you know fifty five thousand dollars stelvio and you know you got to pick your words better, okay? Alfa Romeo and pedestrian. That's a thing that happens. <laughs> oh, God, that's true. <laughs> I should have thought that one through. Italian cars in general and pedestrian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. a fair point. All uh, right, sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to stop now. No, Carry no, no. It. It's all good. No, you're exactly right. So I had the uh, the not as remarkable as the Quadrifoglio, uh, the the normal run-of-the-mill, if you will, Alfa Romeo Stelvio. And, uh, you know, I really liked it. And I definitely had a few problems with it, but... Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I thought as a surprisingly small, I should have known how small it was going to be. Um, as a reminder, my wife has a 2017 XC90, which is a behemoth, or at least by my standards, I normally drive. No, it's, it's a behemoth. Yeah, so I normally drive a, a 2011 uh, 3 Series. And so the, 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 the uh, XC90 is huge. And the Stelvio was considerably smaller than that, which if you look at it, I mean, what are the competitors? X3, is that right? It's like X3. Yeah, X3, Audi Q5, uh, Mercedes GLC. Uh, you know, they're, they're all in that same class. Yeah, so... It isn't as big as I would have expected. Not to say that it's small. It's just, I don't know, for some reason, having never seen one before, uh, I, I thought it was going to be bigger than it was. And that's not, mind you, a complaint. That that was just me not setting my uh, my expectations appropriately. But that being said, 
the, the conclusion I came to after just a few days with the car is that it was really zippy. And this is not, this is why I'm not a professional car journalist, right? Because there's much better words in the English language than zippy, but that's Look, really, you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, you know what we want, we, you know, for the average person that is considering what car to buy, it, I think it's there's nothing wrong with expressing it in a in expressing what you think of it in language that, that you know people can relate to, you know, and and that gives them an impression you know especially you know coming from someone like you who as you say is you know not a professional car journalist but you know just dri- likes to drive cars and you know it's we want you know people want to know what what it was like to live with the car for a week. And, you know, so I, I think, you know, having, you know, don't, don't count, you know, don't put yourself down for, <laughs> for, um, expressing it that way. Cause I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Well, I appreciate it. And, and that, that is my conclusion is that it was very zippy. It, it was not, you know, a, a, a track Hawk it's track Hawk. That's the, 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 the Hellcat equivalent, right? I always get track Hawk yes. and trail Hawk backwards. Um, so it was not a, it was not a track Hawk. It was not a, a quadrifolio, but given what it was, you know, for, it was the, the normal level don't call it pedestrian <laughs> Stelvio, <laughs> and it was it was reasonably quick. Um, I don't I couldn't cite a number off the top of my head from like zero to sixty. Maybe one of you can, but it it felt speedy enough for me. But the thing that was most striking about it is I felt, especially for an SUV, it handled stunningly well. And I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Sam, because maybe maybe you didn't feel the same. But to me, I felt like. It was so well planted, so much better than in any other SUV I've driven. And not to say that you can drive an XC90 with any particular quickness or with any particular efficacy, but but I feel like the XC90 is reasonably sturdy. I mean, yeah, the weight is all way up in the air and it's not going to turn very well and it's a behemoth as we already talked about. But all told, I think it's a reasonably nice car that handles reasonably well. And it, this it thing, does. It doesn't embarrass itself. Exactly, exactly. And the Stelvio, man, oh, it was so much better. It was so well planted and never really made me feel like any like like all other SUVs tend to, never really made me feel like I was up in the sky. Now, to be fair, I'm, I'm obviously cross-shopping, if you will. I'm comparing this to a very much not-performance SUV. I'm, I'm comparing it to the, you know, the the humongous sled in our garage. But I, I can't I, say... Don't I, sell your don't sell your XC90 short. Like, you guys have, what, the T5? The T6. T6? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that's... That's not, it doesn't feel like it, but it's also, that's not messing around. No, it, it, it isn't. It that isn't. vehicle has plenty of power. It, the, the chassis is pretty good. Uh, you know, it, it handles decently. So it's not a bad point of reference. If right. you understand what the XC90 does, it's a premium SUV in the European sort of mold. It handles and rides decently well. Um, that, that's, not, that's not a bad sort of way to to sort of frame the the Stelvio. Yeah, and I think the the XC60 having not driven one, I would imagine is is much of the same. And so I, I was just flabbergasted by how well it handled and how reasonably that engine was mated to that car. You know, it was I didn't often feel like I was gasping for breath, you know, when I was when I was driving around. And I do occasionally feel like that in, in my wife's car. Not often, but it happens. Now, the Quadrifoglio, I'm sure, would just be a total hoot, but that's not really the point of a, of a normal Stelvio. So that that's kind of my quick thoughts. Uh, Sam, how did you feel about the like driving dynamics? Because I'm very curious to hear, especially since I presume you've driven like some sort of Porsche SUV at some point. I believe you just had the the... Trackhawk. So, how does this compare uh, to all there, that? 
Yeah, the, the trackhawk is sitting in the driveway right now, oh, and, so and we'll we'll do a deeper dive on that uh, next week. Um, but uh, just you know, in short, you know that that is a completely insane car and vehicle, <laughs> um, and I'm just glad it exists. Um, but uh, no, as far as the Stelvio goes, yeah, no, I, th- I think the Stelvio, you know, is is really a delightful vehicle to drive, and you know, I'm I'm someone who you know. Um, given the option, we'll always choose, you know, a car over any type of utility vehicle. Um, but that said, you know, I mean, the, the Stelvio is essentially a Julia that, you know, is sitting a few inches higher uh, with, you know, a, a, a pseudo semi hatchback, semi wagon body on it. Can um, I have I have a confession. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the Outlander Sport. Visually, you mean? Yeah. Huh. I can see that. I mean, the Outlander but, Sport's well, not a bad looking I mean, car, but but when, but when you drive it, though, I mean, there is there is absolutely. I mean, aside from the fact that it has five doors and four wheels, sure, um, there there is you know <laughs> absolutely no relationship between those cars. No, I'm well, just and, I'm and being they, the, both, they do the, they do both have four cylinder engines. So. Right, I'm, <laughs> I'm being the most shallow I possibly could be. Right yeah. now, I'm just saying, like, it it just it, visually it and like honestly, I think that's kind of. That's pretty good for Mitsubishi styling. All right, all right, let's move on. Yeah. So yeah, no, the uh, I, I thought you know the Stelvio was a lot of fun to drive. Uh, you know the the four cylinder engine they've got in there is the two liter four cylinder, and and like you know most vehicles in this class or or, or actually increasingly in, in many different segments now, you know it's a two liter with direct injection turbocharging, and and this one you know puts out a little more power than than most of this most of the engines of this spec uh it's about 280 horsepower uh you know typically they run somewhere in the 255 to 270 horsepower range so you know it's it's a strong engine it's not an especially heavy vehicle you know it doesn't you know it feels comparatively light uh well i mean it's it's not lightweight you know at four thousand pounds but it it doesn't feel yeah, no, I mean, you know, given given its size and everything, you know, it's it's not an unreasonable weight. You know, I mean, it's, it's probably I think about seven or eight hundred pounds lighter than your than your Volvo. Um, so, you know, it it is fun to drive. You know, and I, uh, while you were chatting, I, I uh, just pulled up the the car and driver review, and they clocked it at five point four seconds zero to sixty. That's which quick. Is, yeah. uh, that, I mean, yeah, that it. You know, I can remember when you know. Uh, a zero to 60 time, you know, in five and a half seconds was supercar territory. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and that wasn't that, I mean, I'm old, but, you know, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't that, <laughs> so long, that was that long ago. Early eighties. Yeah. Right. Or even, even late eighties, early nineties, you know, I mean, you know, five and a half seconds was, was still considered a very quick time. So, you know, I mean, this, this vehicle has no trouble at all getting out of its own way. And, you know, frankly, you know, compared to the, the car I had right after it, I, I would have pref- actually preferred to have them in the opposite sequence, um, this being, you know, February in Michigan. And so we, you know, we, we happened to get a, a winter storm last Friday that dumped a foot of snow on us. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that later. But, um, you know, even, even with just a little bit of snow, you know, I mean, this, this thing did really well. Uh, the all-wheel drive system uh, felt 
you know, very capable. Uh, it was on snow tires, which is which is always a good thing. That always helps. But, it, you know, it's got enough ground clearance, you know, to get through a pretty good amount of snow without without too much difficulty. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned, Casey, uh, in your video review that we'll put in the show notes was, you know, you thought visually the the 19 inch wheel combination looked a little bit small mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you know and uh, admittedly from a purely aesthetic standpoint you know given the the size of the wheel arches i think you know there there is a little bit more of a gap there than what you'll find in a in a quadrifolio but um you know also you know as a as a real world driving um, you know, for real world driving dynamics, I think it's actually the, the best combination, you know, having 19s or even 18s, you know, I think would look, uh, would look fine on here, uh, because it, it gives you, you know, more, more sidewall on the tires, you know, and makes it much more comfortable to drive. You know, I mean, right now the roads around here are in pretty horrendous condition. <laughs> um, I, 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 had to go uh, go yet some, go out yesterday somewhere, and you know there was a stretch of road I was on. It was just you know full of craters. You know, I mean, and this is a road that was just repaved about five months ago. Yeah, you know, oh and you know the, the the freezing, you know the the deep freeze we've had recently, you know, has just popped chunks of asphalt out of it. Um, and this this thing did fine on that. You know, it it actually has a surprisingly supple ride, but it you know it has really good body control as well. I think, you know what. You know, one of the things that I think that they've done really well with both the Julia and the Stelvio is, you know, get a, a, done a I think they've done a really fantastic job on tuning the chassis, um, you know, to give you a good combination of, you know, fun driving dynamics, but also something that's very livable, you know, no matter where you live. Yeah, I completely so, agree. And, and, and all for, of the, for the record, the the thing I was talking about with the with the wheels, uh, that was a hundred percent aesthetic. And and I think you're exactly right that more sidewalls, nothing but a good thing. And and in a lot of ways, the the trend toward non-existent sidewalls and or you know run flat tires is not really doing a lot of good for uh, for for ride quality and things of that nature. But I stand by from a purely aesthetic standpoint. I really think it needed another inch or two. Like looking at the pictures of the Stelvio uh, Quattrofolio that was just announced, that to me is the appropriate ratio of sidewall to wheel but i don't know maybe i'm just too much of a child at heart nothing wrong with that (laughs) i mean if if you want more sidewall you could just go up a series and tire yeah you know Mm. or or you can play with the tire size and Mm -hmm. you can use the circumference calculator to figure out actually you know if i go up a size in aspect what do i have to do to the width and you'll i don't know there is a a breaking point where you you've you've got a tire that doesn't fit on the wheel but that's it's another story. Yeah, you know, and the and the thing to keep in mind too is, you know, if if this is going to be a daily driver, you know, particularly if you live, you know, somewhere in the northern half of the country where we do get potholes, um, you know, I I have had wheels get bent um, you know, from hitting potholes. Um, you know, even even on 55 series tires, um, you know, on our on our Jetta a few years back, uh, my wife hit a pothole and, you know, uh, we were pulling out of the garage one day and I, I saw this bulge in the sidewall and I looked yeah. at the wheel and saw saw this dent in the wheel. And, it you know, it was it turned out to be something that was not fixable. And so I had to buy a new wheel, you know, and that's, you know, when, with alloy wheels, that's, you know, not an inexpensive proposition. Yeah. Um, so. You know, it, it's it's definitely worth keeping that in mind. And that's actually one of the reasons why, 
you know, when we bought our Civic last year, um, we opted to go with the EX model rather than the the Civic Sport. The hat, you know, because we bought the hatchback, and we, you know, we could have gotten the Civic Sport, uh, but the Sport comes on 18 inch wheels with lower profile tires, whereas the EX comes on 17s. So we opted to go with the with the EX and the 17s rather than the Sport, um, specifically for that reason. We wanted that bit of extra sidewall, both for the ride quality and also just to protect the wheel. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. When you told this in Slack, when we were having this kind of discussion the other day that we just like sound like old men. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we, we have, I mean, I paid for, for wheel repair and truing and tires and just, <sighs> yeah, it makes you tired after a while. Yeah. Um, so what else did you like about the Stelvio? Uh, the interior was very uh, Julia, which makes sense. Like my, my brain understands that this is in many ways just a lifted Julia, but it was surprising that the interior was effectively identical. Um, I, I do like the interior. I do think that it has uh, a lot of BMW touches in it. And since I drive a BMW, that makes me happy. Um, the infotainment, I think we talked about the last time I was on the show and it's fine sufficient uh, i would love to have the, the interface is fine um the responsiveness of the system though is definitely slow yeah i mean and, i'm getting used I, to that I, these days unfortunately hi dan <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll come back to that but um but on, uh, you know on the 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 alpha interface the system that's in there right now uh, i was talking last week when i was at the chicago show with somebody from alfa romeo and they acknowledged that yes this <clears throat> the system that's in there right now is underpowered uh, from a, a computing standpoint, and and they the um, the Julia and Stelvio will be getting an upgraded audio system uh, at some point, probably for the 2019 models, um, which will uh, improve its performance. Because right now, you know, one of you know personally, you know, I am not a fan of touch screens. Um, I, I prefer to have you know uh, control knob type interfaces mm -hmm. uh, like iDrive and and like what this one has. But, um, you know, with iDrive, you know, or MMI, Audi MMI or other systems, when you twist that knob, you know, when you're when you're on a, a screen where you're doing, you know, entry of a um, of an address or something for a destination, you twist the knob, you know, it, it goes it spins around, per, you know, the the indicator on the screen spins around, you know, and uh, quite responsively. So it follows as you twist the knob. This one, there is a distinct lag between when you turn the knob and when it actually selects the next letter in the sequence. And, you know, that's that's not good. That's it's quite annoying, actually. Um, the interface itself is, is fine. There's you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it is very iDrive like, but um, it's just slow. And that is something that uh, they've said that they will be fixing. Yeah, and it's how, how do you how do you think they're going to fix that? Uh, it the it's going to get an upgraded upgraded hardware, um, probably for twenty nineteen models. In in the tradition, so the, the current generation ones aren't going to get any better, but the the <laughs> <laughs> the newer ones will get better. Well, in the tradition of, of uh, you know, expensive uh, brands, uh, nickel and diming everyone to death, it appears that, that the uh, 2018 Julia and Stelvio do support CarPlay, and I presume that means also Android Auto. But it, but the, the tester I had... No, they don't. Well, it's on Apple's website. The 2018 Julia and Stelvio both support it. But the tester I but had... It's not, in the, it's not in the car. Okay, so that's what I was going to say. The tester I had definitely did not support CarPlay. And I Wait, was, how can they say they support it if they don't... 
I don't get it. So I th- well, here's the oh, thing. The only- I think that there's oh, two ahead. different stereos. I think it's there's a fancy pants stereo that does have it. And I haven't looked at this in a couple of weeks, so I might be steering you wrong by accident. But when I went to build the Stelvio, not the Quadrifolio, of course, just the, the regular stereo, uh, Stelvio, the, when I was building it, it looked like there were a couple different of uh, a couple of different options for the audio system. And I'm assuming that one of them does support CarPlay and one of them does not. But I assure you that the, the 2018 tester I had did not support it and it sounds like sam it was the same story no, for you yeah not, none, none of the 2018s have that support in them um what's indicated on the on the apple website all that means is that the the manufacturers have announced that at some point in time that they will be supporting it but it doesn't necessarily mean that the cars they're building today have that support built into it. well that's nonsense then they should say like we plan to support it not will we do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, so my, I, I would guess you know when they when they get the the hardware upgrade that improves the performance, um, they will also include that support for uh, Android Auto and CarPlay. Yeah, we'll see wow. what happens. But I mean, otherwise the yeah. interior was nice. Um, it was it was there was nothing that I could think of that made me go ugh. I mean, obvi- other than the interface, like as I talked about when in my Julia review, particularly the video review. Um, I concur that the interface is very iDrive-esque, but one of the great things about even my iDrive setup, which was which was from the early 2010s, is that I have little shortcut, physical shortcut buttons for the radio, for the navigation, for the telephone, and for something else. I always forget what the other one is. Um, and so I can hit one of those buttons and immediately jump to, you know, the the radio, like the FM radio, or I can immediately jump to the navigation screen. Whereas it's frustrating in the in the Julia and the Stelvio because you have to hit the menu button and then scroll down to whichever one you want, and then it t- potentially scroll like one or two screens deeper in from there. And it just having that shortcut to go and, directly. And, and there. at each one of those stages, you you turn the knob and then wait before something happens. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's like they give it and they take it away, right? Like I like well, having I mean, the knob. But I hate that it's it's not as as easy as I would want it to be. Yeah. So you've got the 56K dial up system. <laughs> Eventually, they'll, they'll give you the DSL. Uh, and then, you know, once they fully upgrade it and the, so this is the Giorgio platform, too. So that's actually pretty important to the car. I know that we're we're talking about sort of just a, a very small part of what makes the Stelvio experience. But the the infotainment system, this is. This is a car that there's going to be potentially a lot of FCA future riding on. And so they've got to get it right. And they've got to put the right hardware in there. They've got to figure out the control scheme. Because if you look at what they've done on the the Chrysler side of things, you know, Chrysler and Jeep and and, uh, Dodge, those vehicles all share Uconnect. And it's it's pretty much the same thing when you step out of a Cherokee and into a Pacifica and, you know, even back to like a 200 that they don't make anymore. But, you know, you know what to expect. And, and it has to be that kind of thing with whatever they replace that with. And I, I suspect that that is exactly what they're going to do is probably replace it with um, similar hardware. You know, it'll, the Uconnect is based on a Harman platform. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they switch over to the Harman platform uh, for the Alphas as well. Well, driving, it sounds lovely. I don't think I'd want it to do is. anything other. It, it is a lovely experience. <laughs> and and as I said, I, you know, I would have 
uh, you know, in retrospect, I would have preferred to have actually switched the sequence of the the two cars I had because I, um, I they they picked up the um, Stelvio from my home right after I left uh, for Chicago for the auto show, and they dropped off uh, what. I had originally scheduled when when we when I was booking cars back in December, uh, it was originally intended to be uh, the uh, Julia, the four cylinder Julia with the same powertrain, the two liter powertrain, and all wheel drive. Um, and it turned out uh, when I talked to my wife the next day that um, there was actually a Julia with uh, a four leaf clover on the fender. <laughs> uh, oh no! Which, which uh, considering that you know it was starting to snow at that point, and by the time it stopped snowing on Saturday morning, uh, we had a little over a foot of snow dumped oh, on us, God. and, and uh, so there, there was a pretty uh, pretty hefty um, pile of snow sitting on top of the uh, the Julia Quadrifolio when I got back, and the Quadrifolio, of course. Um, in the Julia, the Julia Quadrifolio is only available in rear wheel drive. It does not come with all wheel drive. It did come on snow tires. Uh, it came on some really oh, nice. How generous of them. Uh, per- Pirelli. Uh, um, uh, yeah, the Soto uh, Zeros. Yeah, the Soto Zeros. Yeah. Um, which you know, when when you're on hard packed snow or on ice, they work really well. Um, but the problem is, no matter how good your snow tires are. If you don't have enough ground clearance to actually get over the snow that hasn't been plowed from your side street yet, um, you're pretty much not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, we had to go out somewhere on Saturday afternoon and uh, my wife and I and, you know, I got it. I managed to get get it cleared out in one direction uh, to get out to the street so we could get out of the neighborhood. But going out that way you know there's there's a downhill uh slope going out to the main street so i was comfortable with going out that way but i didn't figure i was actually going to be able to get back up that hill um coming back in because it it hadn't been as i said hadn't been plowed until the following day um and so i came in from the other direction where the road was more level and uh yeah that was a mistake uh in the span (laughs) of three blocks uh got stuck twice uh you know just just because the snow was so deep, uh, there wasn't much I could do. And you know, had to get out and do some digging and get a little help from a neighbor um, and uh, finally managed to get it back to the driveway. But uh, it was a struggle. So, I mean, I really like rear wheel drive cars, especially powerful ones. Oh, in, so do I. In the snow. Um this and sounds you know, like when, too when, much you, when you've got good when you've got good stability control and traction control, you know, even in, in snow, there's nothing wrong with, you know, and especially when you've got snow tires, winter tires on there, there's nothing wrong with um, with rear wheel drive. And, you know, this was not a, a, a function of rear wheel drive versus four wheel drive. It was just, you know, ground clearance and um, too much snow, you know, and it doesn't matter what you've got in, in that in those conditions. You know, if, if you don't have enough clearance to get over the snow you're not going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realize it was that low or maybe it's just that much snow. Well, it was that much snow. Like I said, we got a foot of, you know, a foot of snow and they, you know, the, the uh, County road commission was focusing on the main streets and they didn't get into the, the residential neighborhoods until uh, later in the day on Sunday. And, you know, there was, (laughs) there was just no way around it. I mean, even, even um, with the Civic, we wouldn't have been able to get through that either. So, and it's not on snow tires, it's on all weather tires. So I I also feel like this is part of the the FCA ploy and, and maybe it's not, but just, I feel like all of the coverage, all of the, um, the Julia loners, I've really seen you, you, 
have been quadrifolios. Like they, they did a really good full court press with their top of the line, $80,000 super high performance model. And you've heard, well, they've got no, they've got, they've gotten the two liter ones out there as well. And there, you heard, know, there is a two liter in the local fleet here. Um, just, I, I don't know what happened, why they ended up delivering me the quadrifolio instead of the two liter. Uh, but I know, I know I've, you know, I know there's one around cause I know the magazines have had one, um, you know, that they've tested. So, all right, well, I'll dial back my conspiracy theory, but I just, th- I feel like we've heard a lot about the quadrifolio, which I mean, it's exciting, but like the one that everybody's going to buy is the two liter. And I, I, you have to look much harder for coverage of that car. And I, I'm really interested in it because like Casey, I, I really like European sedans. Yeah. So, yeah. And Although I have, I have an admission. Another admission is that I've settled on a car to replace the the Crown Victoria, and it is it is not European. Oh, so. really? Well, wait, wait, wait. Let's shelve, wait, wait. Let's shelve that for a second, and let's finish okay. this oh. the Alfa Romeo oh. talk. But uh, <laughs> I am actually also interested to hear or to see what what the two liter is is like in the Julia, because if you look at the Stelvio, which is at least a reasonably uh, heavier than the Julia, you know that motor is is we were talking about earlier is is sufficient for that car and so i got to imagine it actually would probably be pretty good in the julia and although i i can't say that i've been offered a a spin in the two liter julia i will say that when the when the quadrifolio got delivered to me and then eventually picked up the chase car was a two liter julia i think a four-wheel drive one now when the stelvio was delivered the chase car was like a jeep compass or some other piece of trash like that <laughs> but hey, wow hey, hey. the wow. compass is actually really good is it I, oh, got yeah, it. Yeah. The new I compass is awesome. It, 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 what is the little I had tiny it during the auto show? Is, is not the, the Renegade. The, the, oh, maybe that's what it was. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Actually, the Renegade is surprisingly good, too. Oh, uh, whatever. I'm not it a fan of the awful. Renegade. I, I've never been in one, it, it, but it you know, it's, it's terrible. You know, the, the Renegade's not the greatest looking Jeep or the greatest looking vehicle, but um, it, it actually drives really well. Doesn't yeah, it drives okay. Quite surprised with it. Yeah, it was a Renegade. You're right. You're right. If you if you like the Renegade, just go buy the original, which is the Fiat 500X. Because yeah. that's it's better. Oh, is that yeah, basically the, the same fun. car? Yeah, same they, thing. they are the same vehicle with different bodies on them. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, different yeah. interiors. And I actually, personally, I, I do prefer the 500X. Um, and you know, if I was going to go for go for one of the small FCA utilities, I would I would actually go with the 500X because I, I like I actually like the way it looks and it yeah, drives I really do, well. I do too. Um, you were trying to make a point though, Casey. But did we did we get to your point? Yeah, yeah. Just in that, I think it, it, the, the 2O <laughs> may actually be. A decent car because, you know, my initial thought, having not driven the Stelvio so back, you know, a, a month or two ago, having driven the Julia Quattrofolio, not having driven the Stelvio, I would have thought, oh, the two liter Julia is a piece of trash. Not literally, of course, but, you know, it's it's going to be so disappointing compared to the Quattrofolio because it's half the power and and it, it's, it's not there's no, not going to be any of that magic there. But having driven the Stelvio with that same drivetrain. I actually think there's probably something there and it's probably actually really, really nice. And so I am like, like you guys curious to hear and see what the coverage of, of the two O is like, because it's actually a lot better than I would have initially thought. So we'll, we'll see if either of us, any of us can get our hands on one. Well, it's about 300 pounds lighter than a Stelvio. So, you know, that's and, a lot. And uh, I'm just looking at the motor trend review. They clocked it at five one. I mean, that's six fast. So yeah. that's really not bad at all. 
Well, their track runs downhill, if I remember from <laughs> what uh, car and driver used to say about Motor Trend. Oh my goodness! All right, uh, so so down, downhill in both directions. Yeah, with a, with a strong tailwind. Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't average. <laughs> uh, so t- okay, so now now tell us about what's replacing your, your right, delightful so, Crown Victoria. Well, I mean, eventually it'll replace the Crown Victoria because I, I just it, it's just not the car for me. Um, but we've we've had because the Jeep is going in for some work, we've had the, the grandma car day today. So, um, I drove the crown Vic to make sure that it had its battery charged up. And then, um, my wife is borrowing her mom's car, which is a, I think it's an Oh six, um, Sonata, which it's, it's a decent enough car, but th- like, these are two very low miles cars we're talking about. And it's just this interesting time capsule when you get in each, but, uh, yeah, I, I need more engagement out of my vehicles. And I, I've done the European car thing. Well, the 06 Sonata is definitely not a, an engaging car. Oh, no. Come on. Is it the, the one with the big motor? Because the ones with, was it a V6 at that time? That was no, trust, trust me, it, Casey. Even with the V6, it was it not wasn't an engaging that, car. No, it wasn't it, engaging, it, but it wasn't it, that no, bad. It was, it was very, it was an excellent value. It's a fine car. reliable. Yeah. But not it's, engaging in any way. It does have the 3.3 liter V6, so it's it's quite powerful. Yeah. Actually, for what it is. But um, it's just dynamically, it feels oh, sure. unfinished. They've done a great job <laughs> moving from that car, which was that, like, that was a big step for them. The styling, the size, the, the equipment, like, that was a very competitive car for the yeah, price. When they went from that out. generation to the, the 2010, I mean, that was yes. a huge difference. Yeah. And, and the, the, the Sonata now is, is very good. So it's interesting to drive it, you know, 10 years later and, and just see the difference. But um, yeah, I've done the European car thing. And as entertaining as that is, I really, really hate the repair bills and oh, like preach. The, the breaking stuff. And so yep. I'm, I'm old and I'm lazy and I don't want to work on the cars anymore unless I actually want to work on them. And I'm not quite at that point in my life where I can have a toy. So, um, I was, I was like, okay, what, what sort of like, you know, checks all the boxes and, and I, I figured out that the Mazda 6, there's the Mazda 6 Touring, which is nicer on the inside than the, the Sport, which has like cloth seats and stuff, which I'm I'm not quite as much a fan of, of cloth interiors. I, I do like a little bit of, of luxury because I'm spoiled. <laughs> and uh, I don't want the Grand Touring because you can't get the manual. The 6 Touring has a manual. And I, like, that's, that's it. And you, they're, they're actually very inexpensive used and you can get a really great deal on them new. So I'm like, at some point there's going to be some kind of deal that happens. I'm not sure what, but the crown Victoria is going to leave. Somebody should buy it so I can afford a down payment on a Mazda. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, my wife had a 2007 Mazda six grand touring that had almost every option on it. Um, we bought it new in 2007 and I don't remember what we paid for, but it was something like $25,000, which given what it was, was actually, I thought a very, very, very good deal. And she loved that car arguably more than she loved me. And it was only because it was getting quite old, you know, 10 years on. And we, we really felt like it was time for her to get something newer and a little larger. Well, more than a little larger as it turns out. But, uh, that's when we got the XC 90 and, there, there are few cars I can imagine. I, I can even think of another car that she could ev- even possibly liked near as much as her Mazda six. And she does like the XC 90 
at least near as much as her Mazda 6, which is a testament somewhat to the Mazda, but really to the XC90, because I cannot verbalize how much she loved that Mazda. And we had an unbelievably good ownership experience for a decade with that car. I mean, nothing ever, nothing ever broke on it. It was reliable as hell. I mean, I think we had like one or two out of band repairs, but it was minor stuff. Whereas I was computing the total repair cost on my 335 since I bought it used in 2012. (laughs) You could have bought 16 Mazda 6s. I could have bought a half a Mazda 6, truly. Like I have done, well, I I personally have put $10,000 in repairs into that car. And I think BMW paid for 90% of one repair, which it's a long story, but suffice to say, there's another $5,000 that BMW put the bill for. So there's $15,000 worth of repairs on a car that was delivered to the original owner in the end of 2010. And I took delivery of in the end of 2012. So yeah, I mean, her car, we put effectively no money into, and it ran like a top for 10 years. And I, I cannot say enough good things about that car. It wasn't her particular car with, you know, the automatic and whatnot. It wasn't really what I wanted, but it wasn't my car. So that was fine. And I think this, uh, you know, the modern Mazda 6 with a stick, just like you were talking about, Dan, I I, I cannot get behind that enough. I, not that you need my permission or approval, but that, nice. that is a solid, solid pick. I, I really approve of it. And, yeah, and if, if only if only Mazda would see fit to offer the, the station wagon here in North America, uh, at, at least a dozen automotive journalists would buy it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I, I, I stupidly I did this. I was like, well, I know Ford makes a fusion wagon. And I know they're not no, the same. No, they make a Mondeo wagon. I, a Mondeo wagon. And I know they're not the same platform, not not the same car yes, like they, they were at all. Yeah, they are. They the, are this, now. The 6 and the, the Mondeo? Oh, oh, you, oh, you're talking about the 6 and the, and the yeah. Fusion. No, no at, they're at, not the same. Right. There was that point where they were, but I was just like, wagons are popular, not here. So let me see if they do make a... And I was like, oh, they make a six wagon. And, <laughs> and it's fact, so they're, pretty. They're, they're, uh, they're about to unveil the uh, refreshed version in a couple of weeks at the Geneva Motor Show. So Yeah, because my other choice that I really... I was I was pretty into was the, the TSX wagon. And I was like, eh, it's automatic only. And I my experience with automatic transmissions has not been fun. Um, <laughs> I, I had both of those S60s. But this, they, this, but this is... But this is a non-European premium brand automatic. But those were those were Toyota automatics. They were Asian Warner 55s. And they were just, they were a time bomb in everything they were in. They were in Saabs. They were in uh, GM cars, you know, Saturns. And uh, I think the only car that didn't blow them up was the Toyotas. And they, they used this special SAE 3309 fluid and just so expensive when they the valve body got gunked up and then it would just chew up the, the two, three friction set. And I learned a lot about automatic transmissions and I was like, I want to, I want a goddamn more, manual. More than because anyone should ever know. Yeah. I was like, the worst thing you have to deal with with a manual is like a dual mass clutch. That's a lot more complicated than, you know, the old single mass flywheels and everything has a dual mass clutch. It seems these days, but whatever we're getting too geeky. Let's move on. <laughs> I really wish you hadn't told me about the Mazda 6 uh, wagon because now I'm looking at <laughs> Mazda 6 Europe's website or Mazda, Euro- Mazda Europe's website and this is a good looking car. And I, I am oh, not really, car. I am not really into wagons yet. Like I'm starting to understand the draw. What's but the I, matter with you? Uh, just give me, hold on. So I still right. don't think that they're the prettiest things in the world, generally speaking, but I find myself as I get older and older and more and more boring that I'm looking at each yes. of these wagons and thinking, wow, you know, that's not bad. 
Yeah, I, I haven't gotten to the, the, the level of insanity that I'm looking at a CTSV wagon and saying, ooh, that looks good. But some well, of I mean, the CTS wagons is hard because it's also not all that roomy. And so wagons with a sticker are also like impossible. You're, you're dealing with basically like a Volkswagen, which is, is again. Well, the Subarus back in the day, not lovely. anymore. But back but, yeah. you know, before I had the 335, I had a Legacy GT and it was a sedan. But the nice Legacy GTs car. of that era did you could get uh, you could get a Legacy wagon. GT with so you could uh, if I'm not mistaken you could get the turbo that was in my car which is basically the detuned STI turbo and then yeah. with a wagon with a stick and in retrospect if only 22 year old Casey would have known better I should have bought that car yeah I, I I was looking for weird stuff you know I was looking at TSX's TSX wagons uh legacy spec B's which oh nice car is mm-hmm. my favorite Subaru of all time um they're hard to find and they're aging now. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, in the meantime, <laughs> speaking of Subaru's aging. Oh, uh, last week in Chicago, they introduced, they were uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Subaru in America. They launched nine new 50th anniversary specials. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, uh, all, all in the same shade of pale silvery blue with gray wheels. I bet they didn't invite Malcolm Bricklin. No, but they did mention him. All right. Okay. Yeah. Did they mention right. Ernie Bach? Yes. They did. Yeah. Tom, Tom Dahl, the uh, current uh, CEO of, of Subaru of America, uh, talked about um, the, uh, you know, the, the history of the brand. All right. And, you know, talked about when, when, uh, when they launched it. Oh, this blue, I, yeah. this blue is nice, I, actually. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, no, it looks, it looks good. That, it, that's anyway. actually, it's a really interesting story how how uh subaru got into the u.s and and those two names um malcolm Bricklin and ernie bach are are sort of intertwined and then there's the rest of subaru of america that is, is somewhat separate from those and uh it's it's just it's a fascinating little story that start you know has a, a new england tie-in so of course i'm all over it um, yeah but yeah well, anyway, I, what, were, what were you driving this week uh, Dan? i had a uh mini cooper I'm not sure the name. I can never figure out many <laughs> names. I had it's it's the it's the Countryman Electric. So the electric company. It's, so the Mini's name for it is the Mini Cooper S E Countryman All Four. Wow. Which it's it's the Countryman with uh, plug-in electric hybrid. It's got the little tiny Terror Turbo Triple. Um, that's that's my name for it. Uh, <laughs> it's actually not tiny. That's a big triple. It's one point yeah, five liters. It, it is big for a three cylinder. Um, and they've put an electric motor on the rear axle, so it's a through the road hybrid. Uh, and it's got a, a battery in it. And I was, I, I'm, I sort of run hot and cold with with minis. I I still like the original mini, although it's it's lost the plot a little bit from the the first couple generations. Um, it's it's still good. Uh and then there's some some just like overly clever stuff. I really dislike the uh the Clubman. <laughs> that's it's not one of my favorites. The, the current generation Clubman, well, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I was I was not enthused with that one, but Yeah. It, and what you know, and I haven't driven the Countryman yet. I I do have the uh the Countryman E scheduled for um about a month from now or so, I think. Yeah, it's just yeah, and it's it's funny because it's it shares its platform with the Clubman, but it, it's you know the Clubman is a little bit it's a little bit smaller, a little lower roof line, that kind of thing. So the extra space of the Countryman makes it feel 
little bit more comfortable, I think, a little less um, sort of function following form. And the hardware is really good. It drives really well as a hybrid uh, because you've got that electric motor that fills in the torque holes and it just really feels real good from behind the wheel. The one sort of complaint I had was that it it uh, seems to run out of breath <laughs> kind of quick. Like if you need to to merge and go from like 20 to 80 lickety split, it it feels it feels real good, but it doesn't seem to put on the speed as quickly as you might like. So that that was really my my main performance complaint. Otherwise, you know, it's it's a mini, so it it rides decently. The run flat tires are loud, but I actually like them because uh I, when I've had minis before, I've done things like nail giant potholes in the winter with them and you can just keep going. <laughs> and, um so I I really do see the value of the run flat tire. Uh and I'm willing to to let go of of some of the problems with it where they ride kind of crappy and they're loud. Um, and that's that's still the case here. But, you know, even the styling of of the uh, the countryman, it's it's good. You know, it it, it walks that fine line um, between being too clever and being what you expect it to be. So I, I liked all the little touches. You know, I like how you look up even when you get in and, you know, every little piece of the car is is sort of fussed over and that's that's bmw's thing that's mini's thing so even the the plastic bezel around the bluetooth microphone has a little microphone symbol in it like that's not necessary but they did it's a nice touch you know like it tells you somebody somebody thought about this piece other than just you know designing a piece of plastic to be injection molded with a bunch of holes in it like we (laughs) now we put a pattern in it like i i like that i found little easter eggs like that around the car um, you know, and it's got the mini sort of toggle switches and stuff. I, I kept going for a push button to start it on the dash before I realized like four days into having it. Oh yes. It's this giant toggle down here because it's mini and that's, it has to be. That's where the start button is. I'm looking at the, the website right now. Yeah. yeah when, when, I, when I had the clubman, uh, about a, a month and a half ago, um, when I, I picked it up from the airport, when I got back from a trip and I got in the car and I spent, it took me like 10 minutes to <laughs> yeah. find this, the engine start button. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in all the places where anybody ever puts it, except for the toggle down there. And you like your, your just language gets worse and worse and louder and louder. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do find like the first time I get in a mini media vehicle, I have to spend about 10 or 15 minutes going through and just shutting a bunch of stuff off. Like I don't need the little ring of lights around the giant center. I was just about to ask about that. This looks truly terrible. No, it suits, but it's Minnie's thing. So if you like that, it's, it's part of what they are. So you can't really sit here and say, I hate it. So it shouldn't be because there's so many people that, that like it, that Mm. like, it's, it's just part of what, what mini has it you know it it, it is the brand you know yeah. and if if it's not for you then you probably shouldn't be driving a mini but <laughs> you know if you like that sort of thing nothing wrong with it you yeah, know it, it's, a, it, it's a matter of personal taste it's like it, it's like anything else about cars yeah it it's fine you know the seats are good it has the the lower cushion extends which is a rare thing but it's actually really nice the seats are comfortable um the back seat is roomy you know it's it's, it's actually pretty roomy because it's the biggest mini um and you don't pay any yeah you don't pay any (laughs) penalty for the hardware the the hybrid gear still has good cargo space um and and, you know the the thing that i didn't like the most 
and I was a little shocked by it, was the uh, the limited range. It only really does about 270, 250 something miles, depending on how brutal you are with it, uh, before you have to fill up the tank again. And I, well, I thought that was a little low. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, I think I'm guessing that it probably only has about a 10 or 11 gallon tank. Yeah, it does have a small tank. So that's yeah. that's the, the trade off. It just like um, I haven't driven a car with a range that limited in quite a while. And and part of the, the reasoning, I think, for the electric gears, like, well, we extend the range. And, and, and that's not necessarily the case. You know, Mini has this niche where it's a this is a great SUV for somebody who lives in a in a tighter you know more population dense area right like it'll do all the things a larger suv will but it'll still fit into those tight parking spaces like it would be right at home in in uh at the people's republic of cambridge massachusetts stand <laughs> um, or, or wherever like it's it's that kind of thing and it's a high style vehicle so it wears its heart on its sleeve which is you know it, it does all the right things without being over the top you know it's kind of like it is a grown-up mini as much as they want to say that the the clubman is the cool uncle this is like this is like the funky aunt or something i'm not, <laughs> not sure if that makes sense it's i i was really i was surprised at how much i liked it um and uh, you know it it bodes well if mini can still do, do a vehicle that it drives well it it was fun to be in and it's really it's a bmw x1 when you get right down to it so uh they they've managed to get a lot of variety out of that same same collection of hardware you've got the x1 yeah, and, and in fact in in europe um they offer uh the two series active tourer which is actually uh even closer to uh to the the countryman hybrid uh because it has the same powertrain the same plug-in hybrid powertrain um and it's it's sort of it's a kind of a tall wagon bmw that uh that they don't sell over here yeah i it, honestly the electric stuff is really well thought out you can schedule the charging you can sort of select when you're in electric mode when you're not like it, it does all of that stuff really well so and it's a lithium-ion battery so it's 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 energy dense for its size because it doesn't have a very large battery uh but it's i think it's what about eight and a half nine kilowatt hours yeah i think it's eight something um that's not that much but it, it does it does well for itself i was i was pleased with it it steps off lively it ha has you know, switchable driving modes. So eco is, is very, uh, very smoothed with the inputs and mid is, is what it's you know, just sort of its default. And then sport is actually, you know, a little bit aggressive and, and gives it some response, which is, is nice. Is there, is there an EV mode so you can like force it to yes. drive electrically? Okay. Yep. There is. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then it has like driver only HVAC, you know, to save some energy and stuff. So it's oh, interesting. It's real, real pleasing. It it does everything it promises to do, and because it has an S badge on it, it it, it offers that elevated level of performance. You know, because a, a regular Countryman S would have the turbo four cylinder, the two liter, um, versus this with the the triple and the the batteries. So, it's it's good overall, and that's my ringing endorsement. And now we should move on. <laughs> All right, so let, let's uh, let's get to some topics, uh, specifically uh, Volvo Census. Oh God, um, I gotta go. Before, you guys. before we started recording, you you had some comments about that. I think uh, uh, I think you had something you wanted to say to Dan and I. You guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> so again, Aaron's car is an XC90. It's a 2017, and 
I was on this show, you know, several episodes ago saying extolling the virtues of the census. Now I think it's a really good setup, which I do. And I think it's really, really nice, which I do. And I think it is a very opinionated design, but I like it. It did take me a while to adjust to, okay, what are they thinking here? But once I got a grip on, oh, I understand what the kind of modus operandi is, then it, then it started to make a lot of sense. Uh, you're a lot more delicate because I'm more like, what are they thinking here? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, unlike a press car, this is our car, right? So I kind of got to yeah. adjust to it one way or the other. Um, but anyway, I... You're making the payments on yeah, it, exactly. so you gotta you have to justify it to yeah, yourself. That exactly. was that was actually not to get us too off track. That was a big reason why we wound up with the Jeep because we we drove an Edge and we really liked the Edge. I was like, I am not paying for my Ford Touch. Every time I look at that, I'm gonna see the monthly payment. And I'm gonna fucking punch <laughs> it. No. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you have to embrace the census if you own an XC90 and. All in all, I really like it. However, uh, up until today, actually, it's been reasonably cold here by my standards, which is to say it's been purely tropical by your guys' standards. But nevertheless, <laughs> my my soft and delicate hindquarters needed to have the seat heaters on. And when you start the car, even if it's been remotely started by phone, so it's it's only you know, the, the motor is running when you start it by phone, but it seems like most of the infotainment is not on, et cetera, et cetera. So even if it's been sort of primed and, and the engine has been running, running for a little while when you get in the car and twist the little start twister button thing um, and you try to turn on the seat heater which is controlled via census on the touchscreen what's infuriating about it is that it doesn't respond to you as far as you can tell so you'll start the car you see the icon you mash on the icon nothing happens so then you mash on it like 18 more times if you're anything like me and impatient and if it had ignored, if it was just in a position where it ignored everything while it was kind of booting itself up, that would be fine. Annoying, but fine. But where everything really falls down is I mash on my seat heater button about 304 times and nothing happens. But then once everything sort of gets itself going it now has queued up all 304 touches. Oh, the so it's, 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 it's bumpered all those so, touches. And... I mean, maybe not every single one, but you get the point I'm driving at is that it's all of a sudden you hear the like, click, 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 click. And even though I'm not touching the screen right now, as it's cycling through the three different seat heater levels. So three, two, one, 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 three. And then eventually it stops and actually it never stops on three, which is what I want. It always stops on like two, one or off. Um, and that's the thing that drives me batty about it. Like if, if it just threw those touches on the ground, in a lot of ways, that would actually be better because at least when it finally gets itself under control, I would just start the process anew. But the, the thing that infuriates me about it, which I think Dan was trying to tell me several weeks ago, is <laughs> it... it kind of cues up those touches and eventually when it's good and ready thank you very much i will i will service you on my time timetable and that's what it ends up doing and it, it is driving me a little bit crazy i, I you, know, you know something about the stelvio there's this there's these two physical oh, switches stop? below the screen <laughs> yeah when you tap it yeah it just turns on the heat for the seat yeah. we'll and see there's and another the thing one is, next to it for the steering wheel too imagine that right, the, the thing is too like those the, the touchscreen buttons and the physical buttons do the same thing. They they send a message out on the bus that mm -hmm. says, hello, computer, turn on the heater. Uh, this module, this node that's yeah, over it there. It goes out to the body computer and, and tells it right. what to do. It's So the fact that, you know, you've got the physical switches, they're not waiting for the rest of that GUI to boot. 
You know, they're not they're not waiting for Windows 3.1 to figure <laughs> out how to load, you know, screen.dll or whatever. Like they're <laughs> they're just there and you can send the message and it'll it'll go down can and do what it's supposed to do. You know, the the problem is Volvo's overly obtuse interface that just it takes forever to the, for that that processor to to get you know it's attention back to you and where shit is located i'm sorry i didn't mean to be too blue uh where things are located in that <laughs> uh system like it's confusing i am surprised though you can't even, make it just is, default even, even even once it's already booted up it's all it's not always on the front screen no it's, it's so kind sometimes of a, you still uh, have to swipe from one screen to another that's to find the, the button you want. That's true, but and not for HVAC. Whereas, and not whereas for the, the physical CDRs. buttons are always there. That, yeah. You know, just as you were saying about your, your BMW, uh, Casey, and those shortcut buttons around the iDrive yep, knob. Yep, yep, You know, it's, it's the same thing. It, it's it nice is. to have those physical shortcuts. And that's the thing is that I, most of Census, I really, really don't mind. And in fact, I would almost maybe not in this company say it's pretty good. But it's I think <laughs> that there are some things that just really should not be on the screen. So as an example, volume. I think we can all agree, anyone can agree, that you should not have a touchscreen control for volume. For volume. That's no, just silly. absolutely right. And, so, and I think that yeah. seat heaters and also temperature are also like that. And in this car, seat heaters and temperature are both on the touchscreen. And that's very, very, very frustrating. Now, on like a Tesla, for example, which I believe they're also on the touchscreen, I find it less egregious because the, the, the touchscreen is a lot more responsive, or at least the last yeah, I was time say, I've been I think one. Tesla's interface is, is probably better. And there's enough other stuff to complain about with the Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but no, you're you're right. I mean, it's like part of it though is is just the Volvo, their HVAC stuff. Like I don't know, they they're not. It's always doing something on its own, and it makes me crazy. Like I can't shut off the automatic whatever where you're going to put the air or recirc or, or like I can't make that system behave. I, I that that's one of the things that has driven me away was I, I don't want you thinking for me. I want you to obey. You are my machine. I pay for <laughs> you do what I want. And it, it, it bugs me. And so I, I can't get past that. But you should be able to make the seat heaters and the steering wheel heaters or whatever default to on, at least with a remote start when the temperature is below, you know, 30 something right like actually actually chrysler does that um, yeah the, the alphas are actually the only ones of the only fca products i've driven recently that don't do this all the like the chrysler dodge ram uh vehicles i've driven when uh, when the temperature when the ambient temperature is below 40 degrees um and you start the car whether you do it with the remote or the the button in the car it automatically turns on the seat heater and the heated steering wheel for the driver yeah, and I would be surprised if you can't somewhere in that giant mess of a menu in a car from a Scandinavian country find something like that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you're just supposed to suffer and build some character before the thing warms. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. You're supposed either. to be a you're, you're, you know a stoic Scandinavian would not complain about these things. That's true. Well, and the other well, thing, welcome to the dark side. Uh, and the other thing that's infuriating is for the passenger, there is no wheel to be heated, and so for the passenger, the top level icon, the seat heater icon, just toggles through the seat heater. For the driver, however, 
it opens up a submenu because when you hit the seat, you get the submenu <laughs> for the seat and the wheel, which is another thing that's infuriating. Like if you're going to go the route of putting this on the touchscreen, fine. I don't agree with it, but fine. But at least for the driver, give two different friggin' icons so that I can mash on each of them immediately, <laughs> independently. Uh, it's, that that is infuriating, and that's where uh, that's where I think this is really falling down. And I see this in, in my personal opinion. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think. It seems that this is where the future is going. Is that more and more of this stuff is being controlled via touchscreen and less and less is being controlled via physical buttons. And to me, most everything, like I said, fine. I don't care. You know, most of the radio controls with the exception of volume, fine. If I can't even skip forward and back without the, going to the touchscreen, I think I would, I would, I may oh, be okay I, with that. I, but No, I care. I care about that. But, um, you know, wherever your line is, though, I, I think that we can all agree that, that, that HVAC controls should have physical controls even if that's the only stuff or i guess i should say hvac in a couple of basic radio controls that to me is like the bare minimum and to move that into a touchscreen is very frustrating i, I well sam I'm, sam has like all the inside scoop on this but i think it's cheaper for them to do it this way to uh, do it, makes, it in the touchscreen yes yeah. It makes yeah. I mean, en- a lot engineering easier. engineering all those switches, you know, and adding you know to the the wiring harness, you know, to because you have to connect up all those switches, you know, so that's more wires to run. Uh, engineering and validating those switches, manufacturing them, you know, getting them, you know, the the tolerance on the tolerances on those are actually surprisingly tight. You know, if you want it to look good, yeah. and you know, it's this is this is part of why Tesla, um, you know. There's two reasons I think why Tesla, you know, issues those, you know, one is, you know, to save money and, you know, then the other part is, you know, just because they want a higher tech look. But I think I think really the primary thing was to save money uh, because it does cost a lot of money to do that. And, you know, they I think they just want, you know, we're cutting corners. And, yeah. you know, what a lot of manufacturers have been doing over the last few years is, you know, after going down that path of going touchscreen, they've actually reversed course. I mean, Ford, you know, famous famously did this. Yeah. Honda has done it. Other manufacturers have have gone gone back away from touch sensitive controls back to physical controls in the last four or five years. Well, and it's like if you're engineering a platform, right, like our, our alpha example, right, that's a Giorgio platform. So there's more than one vehicle that's going to be made on that. So it makes it easier to it, it reduces your parts count. Your wiring harness is the same for the platform or it can be more the same for the platform, even if you're making the sedan and the crossover, if the difference is in the screen and it's in the software. You know, you've got a different screen that plugs in, but the plug is the same. And you know, like so you can you can start to really realize some some production economy. And I, I will also say that Tesla's system seems to be a lot snappier and exactly. you know, better to use than um, some of the other systems, like you know, Honda's system with their dual screens and weird controllers and stuff. Like I, I don't well, know. That's what, going away this year, starting with the, the RDX. Like the the user interface and user experience is where they're really falling down. I would accept a lot more of this stuff if it had better UI and if they just like sit in the car and don't don't have your head so far into it. You know, think think like a user. And that's that's really where they need to come at it. It's like, if I'm just a dumb user, how am I going to break this? How am I going to find the thing? And it's very frustrating when, as a user, all you want is one thing. One thing, and you've got to make three steps to get it. And there's, like, that's that's not acceptable to me. And, and when there's useless crap, too, like, why do I need to see an animation of volume bars on the screen when I turn the volume knob? 
I have ears <laughs> on the side of my head. I can see when I uh, like I can hear when I turn the thing. I don't hear with my eyes. You know, like it just frustrates me. It's like I don't need your eye candy shit. Get it out of here. Like <laughs> it's distracting. It's annoying. I don't need it. Um, yeah. So I've I'm gonna calm down now. Had some coffee. <laughs> Good. <laughs> And the, the <sighs> thing that's doubly infuriating about this on the Volvo specifically is that there is a row of physical controls below the census thing. And that's where they have the hazard yeah. flashers, like the, the uh, defroster. Because those have to be, those have to be a physical button. Sure. Fa- the flashers. Yeah. But I mean, then you have the defroster, you have back a track, forward a track volume. There's like a, I'm trying to find a picture of it and I can't find one right now, of course, but there's like a big gap that looks like it's maybe like an ambient air temperature sensor or maybe a microphone or something where, I don't know, maybe you could put some friggin' seat heater controls. <laughs> Wouldn't that make sense? <laughs> and then, of course, because reasons, the the glove compartment is electro- electronically opened for you. So you have to have a button for the oh, glove yes. compartment because it's too difficult to pull a lever. You're making me hate this car that I actually really love. We got to stop talking about this. But the, the interior, <laughs> it is beautiful to look at. Oh, I love you know, it. How yeah. about we talk about the ride quality, which I also don't like? <laughs> What's wrong with the ride quality? You know, you're it's shitty. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. It's flinty. It is, flinty. It is no X5. <laughs> well, it is no now, X5. Now, now you're just whining. Down. No, it's, you go drive I an X5. The XC90 had great ride quality. I disagreed. Oh, I my word. didn't like it. Even with the air suspension, I was like, this, 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 the structure is stiff. Why have they tuned the suspension to, to act like it's a, a, a whatever? This is one of those Dan's out in left field things because everybody else has not had a problem with it, but I didn't like it. So, all right. What else do we have to talk about? I want to yeah, I want to be able to still like this car by the time we're done recording. So we got to move it on to um, something okay. else. Well, on our list, we have so, a couple of things. Uh, yeah. So, um, last week, uh, I was in Chicago for the auto show there and, uh, back in, back in the auto blog days, we, we used to have a running joke about, uh, the Chicago show being the biggest little auto show in America <laughs> because physically, you know, it is the largest auto show. You know, I mean, the, the McCorm- McCormick place in Chicago is just enormous, you know, and I mean, it's, it's a huge show, you know, and like most auto shows, it's, it's really designed as a consumer show you know it's it's put on by the local dealer association and it's it's meant to be a place where consumers you know come in check out all the cars from all the different brands and from a from a news standpoint the chicago auto show for many years has been comparatively small although other other uh, auto shows like detroit and la are rapidly chasing it down to that that size um <laughs> But that's a whole other issue. But, you know, one one of the few actual bits, interesting kind of bits of news out of the show last week, I thought was the uh, the U.S. launch of the Volkswagen Arteon, uh, which is their um, the replacement for the CC. Um, and you know, it launched last year at the Geneva show and it's finally coming to America this summer. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good looking car. I am not. At yeah, all I agree. It, it's it's sharp. Um They've got a lot of like those very restrained Volkswagen nice touches. I somebody noticed that the way the grill bars sort of extend into the lamps, mm-hmm. it's just like it's a, it's a subtle thing, and I think it lines up with the LEDs that that are accents or something. Maybe it doesn't, but it was yeah, just, no, it, was, it, it does. Pretty. Yeah, yeah. It, it it that that is one of the the really nice details. The uh, the head of exterior design for VW uh, was there, and he was talking about that a little bit. Um, Casey, did, uh, were you familiar with the the CC? Yeah, before? I almost never saw them, but yes, I was familiar with them. And yeah, they didn't was, sell; they never sold very many of them. 
They were very but, pretty. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, it was based on the Passat platform, and it was, you know, the, the coupe-like, the four-door coupe version of the Passat. And the Arteon replaces that, you know, as, as kind of the, the top-of-the-line Volkswagen car in Europe uh, for now. Um, but what, you know, what they've done this time, instead of it being a, a sedan, it's actually a hatchback, five-door hatchback. And it's really nice looking. I thought one of the things that was interesting was um, I think last week, Dan, you were talking about uh, driving the Beetle, you know, and it's had a, it has a two liter turbo four cylinder in there. Yep. It only has what? 170 horsepower. Hundred yeah, 174. I, yeah. 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 And uh, the, uh, the Arteon also has a two liter four cylinder, but it's 268 horsepower. <laughs> so that's actually, and it's, so that's, it's, it's gotta be the EA 888 which there's more than one version of it, but the, like that's the GTI engine. It makes 220 horsepower in the GTI. So yeah. why it's been detuned, I, I mean, you detune it in the Beetle, you're making fewer emissions and you're, you're hopefully getting better fuel economy. So I, I guess that's probably the reason. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, you know, they've, I mean, they've always offered all these engines in a variety of different power levels for different applications. Um, you know, and this being Volkswagen's flagship now, you know, they obviously had to give it more power to, uh, uh, to make it worthy, but, um, it's, you know, it was, I just thought it was a great looking car. It really, it needs more W8. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you were reading the Jalopnik story last week? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I just uh, like, they, they had a they had a piece about the Passat W8 and what a um, what a challenging car that was to live with. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that engine's it's it's yeah, it's two it's VR two two four cylinder narrow angle. You know, I love it. Also, I wouldn't want to own it. It, it is so utterly German. You know, it's yes. one of those cars that's probably great to drive and terrible to own. Yeah, yeah, that about that about uh, sums it up. What's the interior like on the Arteon? Because I, I mean, I've seen the exterior. It's nice. It's restrained. It's classy. I haven't really seen much of the interior. Is it is it equally as is sort of stylish? Yeah, I mean, you know, Volkswagen's you know traditionally done a, a nice job on the on their interiors, you know, in terms of materials and execution. Um, and you know, this one, this one lives up to that. Um, hold on. I'm just trying to pull up a picture here. The, the Volkswagen media site doesn't seem to want to load tonight. Um, but, uh, let me find that. It, you know, it's, it's a, it's definitely an attractive car, uh, inside, it, you know, it's a really, really nice place to, I think, I think it'll be a really nice place to spend time driving. Um, you know, it, it's got, uh, um, you know, the, the gauges, you know, like the, uh, the new Jetta, you know, are kind of more curved in towards the driver wrapped around the driver. Um, but, um, the, you know, for, you know, for a four door coupe, the back seat felt surprisingly roomy. Oh, you uh, sat in it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a chance to sit down in it. Um, you know, lots of cargo space in the back because you've got that hatch, you know, you can, you can fold down the back seat and, uh, have plenty of, uh, room to put, put uh, big stuff in there. Um, so I think, you know, it's both a better looking and, and more practical car than the CC was. So how are they making the case for this though? I mean, when everybody's coming out of sedans and especially large sedans, is it just because it's stylish? I mean, we, we just got done saying like, yeah, as much as we like the CC, you don't ever see it. That's, uh, that's going to be the thing to watch. You know, I, I don't know. Um, 
who I have no idea who's going to buy this thing because it's probably not going to be cheap. You know, I mean, this is probably going to be, you know, mid $40,000 to get one of these. And given that the, you know, American car buyers or American consumers, you know, don't seem to want anything to do with sedans anymore or anything that looks like a sedan, unless it has a Tesla badge. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, it's, you know, it seems like an odd choice to be even bothering to launch this now, since you know uh, the the two the two best selling Volkswagens now are the uh, the Tiguan and the Atlas. Yeah, I see the Atlas everywhere. I'm like, oh, it's the Volkswagen Grand Cherokee. Yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, at least they have an, an offering. I just I wonder if they're okay with it being a, a sluggish seller, partially because it you know it's on the MQB platform. It's 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 not. Volkswagen seems to be pretty good about getting a lot of different cars off the same set of hardware affordably. So, maybe yeah. Well, what, what's funny is you know this is on the MQB, so is the Golf, and so is the new Jetta. The the new Jetta has moved back to the MQB platform. What was it on before? Um, the 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 you the it was on a it was on a variation of the previous generation Golf platform, I think. Oh, it was, it was like it was its a, own it was thing. A, it was a cost-reduced version of the previous generation Golf platform. Oh, that's right. That was the American Jetta that was like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they've and moved it. So the Jetta has now been sort of like world harmonized. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's back on MQB. Well, and it, it's it's moved to MQB, so it's back on the same platform as the rest of the Golf flat, uh, family. Um, and, and so is this one, you know, this is a longer wheelbase version of it. Uh, so this is uh, almost 112 inch wheelbase. Um, and I think the Jetta is about 106. Uh, so that's, that's really the only, you know, other than the styling, that's the main difference between this and a Jetta. Huh? Um, I mean, good for them. Good for them for bringing out a large <laughs> sedan. I understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's more, I, I, more midsize, but Yeah. I hear Casey laughing. What's what's so funny? Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. I mean, I, what else is there to say? Yeah. It's, it's a pretty car. You know, the the CC, I was disappointed when they actually gave that a mid-cycle refresh because it got uglier. It got like more. Pedestrian. Yeah, the, the the original face on the CC was definitely better than the, the refresh. The refresh made it look more like the rest of the the Volkswagen lineup at the time. And it just it didn't really work on the with the rest of that body. It's funny because yeah. it's, I don't really like these um, these four door coupes. Like I, I just think that they're always ugly, and I really dislike the Mercedes Benz ones. I could, I know nothing about Mercedes Benz model nomenclature, so I couldn't tell you what they're called. But nobody does. Okay, uh, I really don't like those. Particularly the hindquarters are truly horrific. Uh, I don't care for the BMW um, Grand Coupes. I think those are really silly. But the the Arteon and the CC before it, I actually think do perhaps the best job I've seen of trying to pull off this four door coupe thing. I mean, the, the, the BMW four series today, like whatever they grand coupe, the four door, four, four series, series, four series, grand coupe mm -hmm. is like, that is the best three series. And that's that, like Stephen Ewing came up with that uh, sort of phrase. And I, I think he's absolutely right. Uh, it, Cause it is a three series, but that that's the best three series is the four series. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I see what you're saying. Like it, it, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird car, especially because it's Volkswagen, not like Audi. So it's not like it yeah. Has... Well, that, that's the thing. You know, Audi has the A5, and they've 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 now launched the A5 Sportback 
in North yeah. America, which, you know, the previous generation A5 Sportback wasn't sold here. Um, so you have the A5 Sportback, which is very much the same car as this. I think it might even be on the MQB platform. I'm not sure. Yeah, of I course can't remember. it is. It's yeah. Volkswagen. They have like two platforms. You know, and it's, and it's, it's pretty similar in size. You know, it's a five-door hatchback like this, you know, a fastback hatchback. Um, so it's like you know, you've got that one. Why, why do you need this one? Doesn't it doesn't because make sense. why not? Yeah, I guess because I you know I, it'll 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 do what it does. I don't know. Volkswagen does some inexplicable things. This is one of them. Yeah, they'll they'll sell a few thousand of these over the next three or four years, and you know then it'll go away again. And yeah, yeah. I, if right. it's if it's not like a Squareback or a four eleven or a Type thirty four Gia, I don't care. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the Uber Waymo settlement. Okay. Uber Waymo settlement thing happened. It seemed yeah, a little they, weird. They settled. Yeah. Uh, Waymo got, a, or, you know, Alphabet got a bunch of uh, uh, Uber stock and, and they're moving on. So the, um, the, the, the weird thing was it was only like three tenths of a percent and it's worth like 250 million. Yeah. <laughs> that I, was crazy to me. I was like, All yeah, right. well, yeah. It's, it was kind of a strange deal. Um, but it, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the settlement came out right after Travis Kalanick finished testifying, you know, so it's like they, they just wanted to have Travis go on the record and say all that stuff. And, you know, then they said, okay, now we'll settle. Yeah. And as much as we don't want to talk about it, I would say like Waymo's case might've fallen apart had they gone any further. So that, it was, it was possible like slightly weak. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're done. Um, all right. So we, we did have a couple of, uh, Twitter comments this evening. We did. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, one of which, uh, let's see, who is it? Uh, David uh, was commenting about, uh, you know, complaining about the us talking about all the cars that they can't get in Australia. Um, and to, to David, I just want to say, you live in Australia. You know, what are you complaining about? <laughs> well, I mean, Australia is one of those environments where, like, it's very hot and everything is actively trying to kill you. That's the thing that, that freaks me out. Having never been, it's the everything trying to kill you part that, that makes me concerned. Uh, some spiders and snakes. What are you worried about? These are big spiders. Yeah, they're the size of me, for goodness sakes. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, insects in the desert are hellish. Yeah. But, my thing. but you, well, spiders aren't insects, though. I'm sorry, arachnids. But like, have you ever seen some of the the things from like uh, guys who are over in in uh -huh. like you know uh, uh, Iraqi freedom mm -hmm. and stuff? Just like the crap that crawls out of the sand over. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is yeah, that? It's terrifying. Like that doesn't belong and on this planet. Yeah, like huge scorpions that are super deadly. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Um, but what, one of the, you know, uh, part of that comment, part of that thread there on Twitter, uh, was some comments about the, uh, the Holden Commodore and, uh, actually the, the Commodore went out of production. They ended production of the Commodore last October. So it's already uh, gone. It's a, isn't it now it's a lacrosse, right? It's a, it's a, an Epsilon. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think they're selling a variant of the lacrosse there now oh, uh, as with a Holden badge on it. That's sad. So I really, it was it better sad. when it went the other way, when we got a Chevy, when we got a Holden with a Chevy. Yeah, I, I really think <laughs> that if I 
could get like if, if this is not a real car, right? But if I could get what we would call a Holden Commodore, but just like you said, Dan, as a Chevy with like a modern infotainment system that doesn't make me want to kill myself, then you just I described would probably, a Chevy SS, my friend. Well, that's, but that's the thing: the Chevy SS, the infotainment, everything I've ever read universally is that it's garbage, and I and I don't want to buy a car that doesn't have Android Auto or CarPlay, and so I'm stuck. Okay. But in every other way, that's the perfect car. It's cheap. It's a six-speed. It's rear-wheel drive with a whole bunch of power. Like that car is made for me until I ever want to plug my phone in. You could get a Camaro. But if a car is entertaining enough, that's all you should need. Yeah, yeah. Says the guy with the Miata. I agree. I, I agree. I know you're right, but uh, but I gotta live with it. I gotta live with it though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They they used to have a lot of really interesting cars in in Australia, and the the hard part is that that was sort of a captive market. You know, they had Ford had a Falcon that was only in that that market, and it got it's just too expensive um, for them to to be doing that for the amount of sales they make. And they could, I apparently they couldn't make the case for making those products global products for whatever reason so yeah i mean that that is that is the fundamental issue with the australian market you know because they insist on putting the steering wheel on that other side of the car <laughs> um you know it, it it makes things more challenging for any manufacturer to uh you know, uh, I guess, you know the, the Japanese, you know, have had some success there because they they also, uh, you know, in their in the domestic market uh, have the steering wheel on the on the right hand side. Um, but, you know, it it it, t- it tends to make you know, the, the Australian environment is somewhat unique compared to uh, to everywhere else. And so, um, you know, the cars that kind of evolved there, just like the arachnids and, and snakes and everything <laughs> that evolved there, were a little a little different, a little more extreme. They and, were, yeah. you know, it, it was, you know, as as uh, emission standards and everything else got tougher, you know, it was just harder and harder to make the case, you know, for that small number of vehicles, that relatively small number of vehicles that were sold there. Yeah. Um, we we also got another question. Uh, who buys a white car? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yes, some yes, some yes. software developers, I think. Uh, are the only ones. Yes, yes, See, yes. I I I like white cars. When I was Thank building you, you're, you've Mazda redeemed, sixes, you've redeemed yourself after the census uh, malarkey from earlier. I I've I they look good. You get a white car with a tan interior. That's sharp. White car with a red interior, even better. They're hard to find now. BMW does it sometimes. Sometimes. But. I, I, so in case you're not aware, so my podcasting career started with a short-lived program called Neutral, um, wherein myself, Marco Arment, who you may know from having co-founded Tumblr, and John Syracuse, who you may know from writing these humongous uh, OS ten reviews for the Mac operating system on Ars Technica, the three of us did this short-lived program called Neutral About Cars, which was like this show, but about 800 times crappier than this show will ever be, because none of us know what we're talking about. And um, and so the, the running gag through that show was that I have owned nothing but white cars for myself anyway. And I, I still, I still maintain that most of those cars happened to me and it was not a deliberate choice. The only one that was a deliberate choice was my Subaru, which I bought new. Everything else was either a hand-me-down or used or what have you. So I, I will say though, that I, as I look at what to replace the BMW with, which I think that time is coming, uh, if I can ever find something that I actually want to spend money on. I think I will probably go for blue if I can find it or one of the 75 shades of gray that every car manufacturer insists on making. 
Yeah, when when we were uh, getting my wife's Civic last year, you know, the, her last couple of cars were were silver or gray, and she said, "That's enough. No more of this. It's, it's got to have some find. color to it." It's all you can find these days. I don't. Oh, I know. Get it. I know. That's that's why it took us so long to to get what we wanted because we wanted right. a, a particular configuration, but we wanted it. On the Civic, they have this gorgeous uh, color they call a G and blue, and we simply could not find one anywhere with the combination we wanted with that color. Um, and so we ended up going with the, the rally red instead. Uh, but you know, it, it is, I mean, you could, the part of the, part of the problem is because of the way the cars are sold in this country, most, most people buy their cars off the lot. And, you know, so they, you know, when they decide it's time to get a new car, they go into the dealer, they look around, they, they do test drive or maybe, um, and then they pick one off the lot. And because, and because of, you know, we've got this franchise dealer system where the dealers buy the cars from the factory. And so they own the car until they sell it on to the, the final customer um, or and they have to finance those cars. They want to make sure they can turn those as quickly as they can. And, you know, it, uh, unfortunately, the way it turns out is it's a lot easier to sell black, white, and silver or gray cars than it is to sell ones that are in bright colors. You know, the number of people that want want them in bright colors is is a smaller percentage, and so they simply don't order as many. And oftentimes, if you want one in one of the the more interesting colors, you ha oftentimes you have to special order it, or you've got to have the dealer search, you know, the entire region to find one to trade for you to get get what you want. Yeah. And, and do and that, Honda dealers even trade? I don't, I don't know. Honda, they do. Honda dealers will trade uh, if they have something to trade. You know, the problem is none of the Honda dealers had any, there just simply weren't any, you know, when, when we were shopping, there weren't any blue civic hatchbacks with the, with the uh, driver assist package on there. They just, they just did not exist. Um, and so, you know, the, the, I think there were, you know, it's like three or four of them built last year. Maybe it seemed like anyway, uh, but there were, hundreds of them in, in black and gray and silver and white. So we ended up going with the one red one we could find. All right. I mean, I, I am not a chromophobe. I am a chromophile. I like color. <laughs> I've had, yeah. I've had several, you know, distinctive blue cars with tan interiors, which I think looks fabulous. I'm not a fan of black interiors cause they're dull and drab. So yeah, put some color on your damn cars. Well, what, it's funny, you know, when I when I bought my my first Mustang when I graduated, I deliberately ordered one in the the gray color they had because I wanted it um, to be as invisible as possible. Well, that's I mean that's that's good thinking. Yeah, because you know I was I was you know I was aware of what I was driving and you know was trying not to attract attention from yeah, I mean, the is, uh, is local five law liter, enforcement. Five liter Fox Body Mustang. I mean, it would get to to sixty real quick in like <laughs> nine seconds. No, 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 it was, it was like six seconds. <laughs> oh, well done, well done. What, what year? What year it was, was ninety one? Oh yeah, no, those were quick. They had the roller cam and everything. Yeah, yeah. it was the yeah fuel injected and everything. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot quicker than that. Uh, in fact, the one I had, because it was the notchback was the, the quickest oh. combination of all. It was the yeah, lightest light. One. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. um, yeah. So, but you know, everything after that, you know, was, you know, when I bought my next Mustang, it was, you know, it was a bright blue color, you know, and, um, other stuff, you know, has been in other colors. So it, it was, it's nice to have something that's not silver in the garage anymore. Although granted my Miata is silver, but 
hey, what are you going to do? Your Miata has a wrap on it, though. It's not. That's true. That can yeah. be, that can be peeled off. Yeah. So um, I think those are really. Oh, we we also had one more question. Was uh, let me let me find it here, so I can get the exact wording um, correct. When will the special Casey on Cars Wrangler episode? <laughs> yeah, if only I've been trying to uh, get my myself some seat time in a uh, in a new Wrangler and and I haven't been able to. So uh, again, if if you happen to be an ATP listener, which is the Accidental Tech Podcast, which is my normal show, hello plug. Um, you can find it at atp.fm. Anyway, uh, I've been talking about how I really am getting to the point that I want to replace my 335, as I mentioned earlier. And I've been hemming and hawing over what to do because on paper, I think the Golf R is in many ways the right answer. But I really, 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 really like having a sunroof and you can't have it on the Golf R. Um the Accord Sport. Civic Type R. I, why, why do you like having a sunroof? You like a thing that you can put a snowbrush through, or, or you like you like stuff that breaks? Uh, I've never had a leaky sunroof, and I've had. So. I put a snowbrush through the the tempered glass panel of one of the Volvos. Well, that's because you live then, in a, in an Arctic climate, like a monster. And and then the dealer couldn't fix it. Oh, they were like, great. "Oh, it didn't work before." I was like, "No, it worked perfectly before," because they they didn't clean out all the glass. So a year later, I had to drop the headliner, drop the entire pan assembly uh. for the the sunroof which meant taking out both front seats and get all the the glass chunks so anyway i'm sorry anyway you don't need a sunroof and you don't need a wrangler that's well, just okay you could argue we can argue <laughs> the wrangler but let's but we have to take it as writ that i want three pedals and i want a darn sunroof and i do not okay. particularly civic type r i do not particularly want front wheel drive <laughs> either but i could probably get over front wheel drive the thing with you, the civic you could if you drove the civic type well, r but, you might but the thing over. is i yes. would need a paper bag to put over my head every time i sat in it from embarrassment because it is so hideously ugly wait can't you just get like a a, a, a Marco or a John mask. Uh, that's fair. That is true. That might more. Um, but no, it's just so ugly. And, and I, I also actually tried to get some seat time in a civic type R, uh, thanks to Sam. And I was told, I, I forget if I was told tough noogies, it's winter or tough noogies. We're not doing that right now. I think it was a tough noogies. It's winter. I, I think there, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there was none in the fleet right now. Yeah. Either way. Um, I, I'd love to get some seat time in the civic, but, but, but the question I've asked myself, not actually that dissimilarly from you, Dan is should I, I just issue the whole like sports sedan idea and in, in luxury, you know, because the, the luxurious sports sedan idea, should I just toss that to the curb and say, you know what, I'm going to go the polar opposite direction. I just want something that's fun. And to me, a Jeep Wrangler is fun. And my dad is a, has had Wranglers on and off my entire upbringing. And he has a 2012 Wrangler right now. I think I forget exactly what year it is. It's not new, but it's not old either. Um, and they're fun. They're they're loud. They're bouncy. They're the opposite of cushy. They are the opposite of luxurious. They are the opposite opposite of fast. But in some ways, I almost wonder if that would be healthy for me to be in a car that even if I try to drive it fast, I can't. If I really even wanted it to be luxurious, it won't be. And the stuff in the new Jeep, the JL Jeeps, it's uh, the, the JL Jeep Wrangler. It looks like they've made a lot of really sensible improvements. So I really, really, really want to give it a shot. And, and given that you have, you know, you don't really have a, much of a commute to speak of, even, you know, when, yeah. if and when you do uh, go back from paternity leave, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, go for it. What the hell? Right. And that's that's what I'm thinking. And, and coincidentally, I, I was going to bring this up earlier, but um, uh, the conversation had moved on. But we have the I hope you're both sitting down. The Richmond Auto Show is this weekend here in Richmond, Virginia. Ooh. And it is it's funny because it's exactly what you were describing, Sam, about the Chicago Auto Show, which is to say it's just 
all of the local dealers park, you know, most of their cars in the same room and you get to walk around and sit in them. And normally that's not that exciting. However, our three-year-old, I think, will love it. And it was actually really convenient last year because we were able to very quickly cross shop some of the competitors for the XC90. And Aaron just sitting in some of these competitors, including the Mazda, actually. What it's Is it the CX-7 and CX-9 or did I get that wrong? Uh, CX-5 and CX-9. Okay. Uh, but the, C- the CX-9 is really nice. Well, yeah. and that's what it was, was that for her, and I, I remember thinking the same, actually. The CX-5 we sat in, and it was, it, the way the interior was laid out, we much preferred, but it was smaller than we wanted. The CX-9, and yeah. I can't remember the specifics, I wish I could, but the CX-9, we just didn't care for the interior layout. That doesn't mean it's not nice by any stretch. It's just we didn't care for the layout, even though the size was right. And so we were able to cross-shop all these cars, and... I am hopeful that I might see myself like a Civic Type R. Granted, I won't be able to drive it, but at least I'd be able to see it in person. Or, you know, I don't think the Wranglers are really out yet, are they? Are they actually in dealers? Uh, yeah, they're they're in dealers uh, right now. They they only have the V6s. The uh, the four cylinder Wrangler is still a couple of months away, uh, but the uh, the V6s are out there. They've been on sale for a few weeks now. Oh, okay. So you never know. I actually I was looking at that Wrangler. Uh, it's really, really intriguing because it looks like uh, the old JK in a lot of ways, but it's it's very comprehensively updated. Yet, the, like the windshield still folds, <laughs> and there's like it's you just can still very take clever. the doors off. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of safety innovation that's gone into it. It's almost like they made a unibody car. Or, or not unibody, but like the body structure has it's it's there's more body structure than ever before on the new Jeep. Because um, if you look, it, they've got windshield pillars and a windshield frame basically that never goes away. So you're actually folding the the windshield down and the the it's almost like a tailgate in that sense. That this, if you can picture that, it's just hinged at the bottom. And I thought that was really clever because you've still got the protection. Uh, and and it has to have that, but uh, they go up and then and then they sort of form the this integral uh, roll bar. So I, I liked I like all of the thinking, and they they really like they can't screw up the Jeep, so they have to put all that thinking into it. <laughs> um, you know, it's got heat extractors behind the the front wheels, which are you know it's a nice touch. Um, it just it's just a very clever update and and the interior looks a lot better. I'm sure you know the interior of the old one was was functional and. You, know, you get a Sahara model, it's actually kind of comfy. Well, but I don't want to talk you into it. Because <laughs> now, now, if you could just get a Wrangler Trackhawk. Oh, if yeah. Only. Wrangler Trackhawk would be all right. But there's those guys putting the, the LS. That's true. Well, I mean, what doesn't yeah. have an LS, right? But that's the thing. Everything should have an LS. <laughs> but that's the thing is that <laughs> if you look at it, like, uh, it, uh, I want a three-pedal car, and I want something fun. And this is the opposite of every other kind of fun. It's the opposite kind of fun of a 335. It's the opposite kind of fun of a Golf R. But it's still fun, just in a very different way. And so I'm looking at the 2018 Wrangler and thinking to myself, if I can swallow the uh, just astronomic asking price, like because I would probably get a Sahara or a Rubicon, and and they are not cheap. I mean, you're looking forty to forty five thousand nope. dollars for a brand new one because I would have to do the blasphemous thing and get a four door because I have two small children, which I fully recognize and, is terrible, but it's what I would have to do. But you the, see, the, here's the hey, issue. There's though. nothing this terrible is, about having two small children. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't talk about your kids that way. I don't know. It's debatable, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I, say, I say this as, as as someone who has two children that are grown and out of the house now. So. Right. In hindsight, I'm sure it's delightful. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Um, the, uh, the 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 four doors is fine. I prefer the two door Wrangler because it's just it's a little more you know it's it's more maneuverable. Sure. 
Um, the problem with like the idea that you will find an inexp- like a good deal on a lightly used Jeep. No, you will find a bad deal on a lightly right. used Jeep because they just they maintain their resale like crazy. So in a lot of ways, it's one of those cars that, like if you want to just just swallow the, the you, like, you might as well just get it new and get the warranty yep. and everything yep. and be done with it. Yeah. So if I were to pull the trigger tomorrow, having not test driven any of these cars, including I mean, I really think if I did drive a Civic Type R. From the way everyone I know, not just you guys, talks about it, it is quite possible I would get over the fact that it is truly, utterly hideous on the outside. But having not driven any of these yet... Trust me, you will. <laughs> having not driven any of these... you don't yet, see any of that hideousness from inside. That, that is very true. I, I don't know. I can I can feel the idea that like you're driving something ridiculous, and you know it. Like I can feel that shit. <laughs> yes, but when you step on it and go around a corner... Oh, yeah, I know you, you forget all about I that. I know, but be that as it may, you know, having driven nothing yet, I really think if I, if I were a betting man, I would probably bet that I would buy a Wrangler over anything else, because even though it is compromised in many ways, I think it is compromised in the in more agreeable ways to me because I would get a soft top. I would probably take the doors off in the summer and perhaps get like a set of really, really um, lighter, like light doors. Like that's what my dad has is he has, you know, cloth doors that he uses in the summertime that I don't think they lock. And if they do, it's hilarious because all you have to do is like pick them up to unlock them. You know, it's like all for show, Um, but it's kind of like an erector set car. And I don't think I would go crazy tricking it out or anything like that, but just having, you know, the option of, uh, of the soft doors during the summer or whatever, I think it would be so much fun. And having had, and I actually borrowed dad's prior Wrangler when I, when I was, you know, just a fresh adult and had my first big boy job. And so I lived with a Wrangler for a month or two and granted it was only a month or two, but I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. It's a terrible car in many, many, many ways. But if you know it, if you know it's faults going into it and, and accept that, it actually can be a lot of fun and be really nice. And I think that's, that's the problem that, you know, I've talked about this on my show and everyone on the internet is like, Oh, how could you possibly buy a Wrangler? The piece is a garbage. Blah. And it, no, they're not, they're, they're not, not though. though. They, they, but you have to understand that they, they will run into, you know, some service needs because they, they have a traditional four wheel drive system. So there's, there's stuff under there that, that does wear out and it's, it's hauling, you know, a lot of weight. It's got solid axles and it's going to, you know, it's going to, only on the back. The front is independent. Okay. Um, that's right. They changed that either, a couple generations way. ago. Yeah. E- either way, like, there's links and ball joints and, you know, universal joints and stuff. Like, there's just things that, that wear out. And you have to you have to understand that. Like, I think that's something that a lot of people don't don't take into account. You know, they'll, they'll buy the Jeep and it'll be expensive and then they'll use the Jeep. And then the Jeep will break <laughs> and the Jeep will be expensive to repair. But the thing of it is, yes. is that it, it, it but, he, but Casey's used to exactly. that because he owns a BMW right, right now. That's so true. anything That's will true. be cheaper than this damn car, no matter how you say I don't know. Jeep, Jeeps can get pretty freaking pricey. Uh, yeah. uh, compared, compared to what German car parts exactly. cost, exactly. I, I think, I think you'll, you'll have, you'll have a net benefit. Are we getting, That's are we true. getting a diesel Wrangler at any point? Uh, yes. Should I hold out for uh, that? Next, uh, no. no. 
Fair enough. You might you might want to consider waiting uh, till the summer for the four cylinder. Why the turbo four is going to be perfect. really? Yeah, because it's the same yeah. engine that's in the Julia and and uh, Stelvio. Uh, well, see now you're using my weakness against me. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, no, four, four cylinder Jeeps have always been fantastic. They've been my favorite because they don't go worth a shit. But they're they're <laughs> just so perfect. Well, uh, well that, that's the thing. This one, this one, that won't be the case. It'll right. actually be. Uh, I think it's slightly less power than the V6, but more torque. Mm. Yeah, um, and that's what so, the V6 really needs in the in the Jeep. Like well, and, I have and, Pentastar. You know the the um, the four cylinder will also have the forty eight volt mild hybrid system on it, so you'll have mm. even more torque. Yeah, see, that's I mean that's that's like double secret pluses. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. Can't you get like your your commute is like a mile something and a half? Like Can't you get like a a two thousand mile a year lease or something? <laughs> Maybe who knows for like ten bucks if only. But uh, I don't. I've never leased a car. The whole thought of leasing, even though if you look at the math, it's not it's not quite so cut and dry. The whole thought of leasing just kind of grosses me out because I feel like I'm no me, me too me too. But um, but it's actually funny because Marco on on ATP we we were talking privately and he was explaining to me and, and I, I mean this in both funny way and not so funny way. He was you know saying to me, hey, if you look at how much you paid for your car and you know once it's been once it was paid off and all that and look at all the repair bills and think about it. You do that math, which I did, and it's like, I, I forget exactly what it was. I don't have it in front of me, but it was like it, my, my 335 has effectively cost me 500 or so dollars a month. And I never thought of it that way because, you know, we put a fair bit of money and we put a lot of money down on it. And so, you know, I, I never looked at it as having a particularly large monthly payment. But the reality of the situation is once you factor in, you know, the depreciation and all the uh, repairs that have gone into it, it's a, I could have had a $500 a month lease and it would have been roughly equivalent. It's just, you know, the, the cost would have been spread out a little bit more. And when he told me that my, my eyes kind of exploded out of my head because I was like, wait. Yeah. But don't, don't forget the, you know, the down payment you've got to make at the front of that lease too. So that's another, yeah. you know, five or six or 10 you know, grand. See, or this, however is, many. this is what I say to people considering leasing. It's like leasing. You have to understand you're, it's a rental. And also if you make a down payment when you're leasing, you're stupid <laughs> because you're, you're, you're renting a car. You should not be putting money yeah, down yeah, yeah. on a lease like that. That's, you might as well just take that $4,000 payment and go buy a Buick. <laughs> like, seriously. Or, or a Crown Vic. Or a Crown Vic. Right? Yeah. That just, like, just buy, buy a decent 10-year-old car with the $4,000 you're going to have to fork over for that lease down yeah. payment. Because you will own the thing outright and it will function for many months. And when it does break, <laughs> it might cost you one or two lease payments. So... That's super practical dad advice. You know, I just, I'm looking at building a Sahara just, you know, just for argument's sake. I just now noticed that on the build tool on the web, on the left-hand side, there's icons to change the view with the top on and off and change the view with the doors on and off, which is the most delightfully Jeep thing I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so good. And well, that's we something, that's something you can night. only do with a Wrangler. Oh, and that's the thing, like, dad, yeah. uh, again, like, I know a lot of people who have Wranglers, especially now that they have, you know, power windows and all that, so the doors weigh a billion pounds. Um, I know a lot of people who have never taken the doors off their cars and it is the most, if you don't have, you know, small children in the car or don't like them, it's the most magical thing in the world to be in a car with no top and no doors. It is just the coolest thing. I mean, well, to me anyway, maybe it's not to you guys, maybe it's not to a listener, but to me, no, I, I, I love so it. Fun. I, it's the best in the summer because you don't even need air conditioning. You just like the, you get the wind, yeah. just it blows through your shoes and up your pant leg, and <laughs> just like inflates your shirt. It's the best. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I kind of want one. I, I, I like I like the charms of the Wrangler. They're they're definitely there. It's 
Just expensive. Oh, it's so expensive. I mean, it's like 45. Again, I haven't finished building mine, but it's 45-ish or something like that, which is for a Wrangler. Like, I, I understand Wrangler has a lot going on, but it just seems like it shouldn't cost that much. But boy, does it ever. Well, it's, yeah. because, it's because it's popular. Yeah. It costs that much because they can. Yep. All right. Well, Casey, thank you for joining us oh, again. My pleasure. Yes, thank, thank you. you thank Casey. you so much. And thank you again, Sam, for arranging the uh, Alpha Loners. Uh, I am I am forever indebted to, to both of you guys, but particularly Sam. And uh, anytime you want me to come on and uh, talk about really anything, just let me know. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll have you on and we can talk about the relative merits of the, the next um, Mac Pro. Yeah, it sounds, sounds perfect. It's my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> we know. I mean, that's the only reason I listen to ATP is just to hear hear you groan about the, when those guys start talking about the the Mac Pro. Uh, yeah, it's my. It's I love it so much. It's so great. <laughs> so, right, thank you, gentlemen. I really do appreciate it. All right, thanks, Casey. All right, we'll see you all next week. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.